Hey, this is Paul Doherty, the host of the Learning to Lead podcast, and today you're listening to part two of my interview about leadership with Pastor Chris Hodges. Now, if you missed part one, you need to go back right now and listen to it. It's powerful, it's practical, and it could really save you in some of the practices you might be doing that you don't even realize could be off or just need some tweaking that could totally change your leadership style, whether you're leading a, a, a church or a business uh, or a, a team, a youth group, a kids group, whatever it is. And so my prayer is that through the Learning to Lead podcast, all of us would constantly be growing and that when we hear a podcast episode, we would be able to take something away from it and go, that's something I can apply today. That's something I can apply this month, this year that could help make me a better leader and help make the thing that I'm leading grow to a higher level. So let's get right into part two of this interview about leadership with Pastor Chris Hodges. You know, something you were talking to us earlier, we asked, how do you get that many leaders in your church to lead a small group? And you talked about helping those people because you lean heavily upon your small group. I would call them leaders, but you call them hosts. And you talked a little bit about how the church has been able to really multiply leadership by cultivating this environment where people, anyone, can help be part of this discipleship process in your church. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, because works. we don't want to put inside of your mind or anyone's mind, for that matter, that you kind of have to have, it, have to get it together first before you can make a difference. No, no, no. Jesus took people straight off the nets of a boat and, and used them. One of the worst straight things. Straight off the nets and put them into. Oh, leadership. yeah. They were, they had, in fact, and, 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 and they weren't very well seasoned ministers. In fact, one of them didn't make it at all. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I mean, <laughs> Judas didn't make it at all. He just, it didn't work out for him, right? Yeah. They, they had some rough, they had a rough go at it, but Jesus was willing to use people as they are, and I am too, honestly. Yeah, I like because it. Um, I think if you make too many hoops and too many qualifications, you don't wanna create a separation from the people that are being ministered to and the person ministering to them. The best person to minister to somebody going through something is somebody who's going through it. Just, that's what 2 Corinthians 1 says. It says that when you go through your troubles, God uses that so that you can comfort other, others with that same, it's right? Yes. Yeah, so. So we tell people, we're all in the same hospital, just a few of us got here before you, all right? Like, we're all, we're all we all got a few loose screws. We're just here to get honest, get real. And, and, and so, so that's why we call them hosts. You don't have to have it all together and have this extreme Bible knowledge to host a group. You just need to be willing, actually, to have a conversation and grow together. So good. I'm looking at all the hosts right here. Yes. Yeah. Come on, turn honestly, to someone actually say, you're a host. <laughs> I'll say, you ready for this? Every one of you are in groups. Yeah, 100% of our church is in groups. You said that to me today. Yeah, I said, I, I, told I had to Ron, think about it. I said, 100% of your church is in groups. They're just not yours. Because the whole world groups. What do you think gangs are? The whole world groups. So here's my favorite phrase I say to our church. You say, how do I get so many leaders? Here's my favorite phrase. Don't stop doing what you're already doing in the community to come do what the church is doing. You're already too busy. But let me teach you how to take what you do in the community and turn it into ministry. It's good. So if you're coaching a baseball team, don't stop coaching the baseball team to come do what the church is doing. 
learn how to take that opportunity of coaching to minister to those, those boys. Yeah. Like, like using our sphere of influence that we already have and pulling ministry into that. That's right. And you're, honestly, so you're already doing it anyway. You just need to learn how to turn it into ministry. Yeah. So when you go to lunch with somebody this week, don't just go to lunch. Make it a small group. Like, you know, you're, right? You're, let's talk about, hey, and it would be simply as, Paul, tell me about your spiritual journey. Yeah. Where, where are you at with God? Well. How are things going? See, I tell our small group leaders, you have two jobs. Identify everybody spiritually. Help them move one step. It's honestly that simple. And what we're doing too, just, just to help everyone here realize that this is a leadership session, but really focused on leading in the church and, and getting that, busting that myth that leading in the church means I have to be in the church building to lead and realizing I can lead at my workplace, at the golf course, you already on a are. baseball team. You're already leading, you're already influencing, but now just taking that ministry component and discipling people We're that are just gonna be more intentional about it. Yeah, because leaders influence others. And the best thing that you could be influencing them to do is to follow Jesus. And so, Pastor Chris, something that I admire about you is you have pastors in your life. In every service, you said, my pastor is Larry Stockstill. That's right. Here you are, pastor in a large church, but you understand what it means to be under authority. I'd love for just you to say a short word to all of us in this room uh, why that's important to have a leader in your life, no matter how uh, far you go or no matter what you do. And, and just talk to us on that for a minute. Well, it's because we're all one step away from stupid. Come on, somebody, isn't that right? <laughs> and, um, and so, <laughs> and, and honestly, you're the worst at counseling yourself when you're in the middle of something. Because the heart is deceitful above all things, Jeremiah says. So I just don't want to be the only person looking at me. Mm. Now, in some, most churches, the people who kind of are responsible for the pastor are actually under his care. So technically it would be like sons, you know, watching out for or covering. So I don't, so we have a board in our church that does the church's business, but I need people over me, not under me, who are looking after me. Because I don't want somebody under me to be intimidated by me and the size of the church. I need somebody who's not afraid of who I am or what I'm doing. It wouldn't mind saying, hey, 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 we, you know. And so I like having people in my life. I have my pastor and four others. We call them our apostolic elders. Uh, we, have, we have internal elders, you know, that, that, that lead our church. We call them trustees that help me, they're kind of the board of the church. But I need some apostolic, God. I need some leaders in my life who, honestly, I hear from them every week of my life, every week of my life. And they just say, how are you doing? They ask me the tough questions. They watch after me. When, when my dad died, who was, you know, I was, he was best man at my wedding. He moved to Birmingham to help us start our church. Uh, Tammy's dad was my best friend in the world. We talked on the phone every day for 28 years, every day for 28 years. Um, I married Tammy because I was in love with Billy. Come on, somebody, all right? I mean, I love, I love her now, and, uh, which is nice, but he actually proposed to me. True story. He took me to lunch and said, have you ever considered my daughter Tammy? He said, can't say that I have. I said, I'd like for you to take her out. Anything for you, Billy. And we got married. Praise the Lord. Amen. So we have an arranged marriage. And anyway, I loved him so much. And they both died within nine months of each other. Um, my dad um, and then her dad, 61 years old. And I, I'm not only grieving, but I'm, going, I'm leading the funeral. I led the funerals, both funerals. I'm leading our families. I'm the kind of the patriarch of both families spiritually. 
And, um, and, and my overseer said, you're not doing well. And I said, oh, I'll be fine. No, you're not doing well. And the church was exploding. We were 10 years old. And they recommended me to take eight weeks off. And, they, and Pastor Larry prophesied, he says, and the church will grow. Finances and attendance will grow while you're gone. And so I took three months to get the church ready for me to be gone eight weeks. And it's, I wouldn't be sitting in this chair right now had I not done it. And um, I discovered so much about my own life and my own, you know, just, it was a true sabbatical, which is a biblical principle that needs to be restored back to not only pastors' lives especially, but it needs to be restored back to the people's lives. We, we wouldn't think of committing adultery or murder, but every, almost every person I know violates the Sabbath. That's another topic, but anyway, I'm very passionate about it. Anyway, it saved my life. So that's one of the values, that just I have people speaking into my life. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I love my pastor, and um, I submit to him. And if I got goofy, you know, uh, the people in the church don't have to discipline me. You know, fathers can come in and if, if that needed to happen. And, and if I get asked all the time, too, what happens if something happens to me? And, and those five pastors would converge on our church, and they're all se seasoned ministers. Pastor Robert Morris down at Gateway Church is one of them, and Pastor Larry, and got a couple brothers. You know, I mean, not, not blood brothers, but like spiritual brothers. Got three fathers and two brothers on that team. Wow. And they just cover me. They cover me, you know, and it's just, it's really important. Yeah. So I gladly submit to authority, you know, and Jesus said, you can't, you can't even have authority if you're not under authority. Mm. I, I've watched you from afar before I got to hear you preach. I've gotten to just follow what your church has been doing and stuff and seeing how you do things. And um, I think that's a huge characteristic that I take from you is just that, man, I want to be, I never want to be out from authority, I wanna be right. under authority. And I think all of us here, taking that characteristic as leaders that you know, God covers you with authority, puts people in your life to help look at you and go, hey, you need to rest, you need to do something, you need to change things up, things aren't looking good. And so being able to have those people in your life. Um, you guys have five kids. Any tips on just leading in your home as a parent? Um, yeah. yeah, so Tammy and I set a, goal, set a goal that the greatest accomplishment of our life would be if our kids did three things. Number one, loved God, loved us, loved the church. And so, um, and the jury is out, you know, while you're raising kids, if your theories are right. So it's, it's, it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life is raise kids. But the, probably the best advice I can give parents is, the one thing that we did well is the whole friends thing. You show me your kids' friends, I'll show you your, your kids' future. And that's a fact. And I was a youth pastor long enough to know that whoever they're hanging out with is who they become. So the one thing we just didn't even, we did not let our kids choose their friends, mm. period. And if they met a friend that they liked that I wasn't crazy about, they always had to bring that friend to our world. We were not going to that world. Just, and they, they didn't like me for it. Now they all are, they cry thanking me for that. Wow. Because that's what saved their life. Wow. Uh, everything I ever did in my life wrong so my first drink, my first cigarette, my first porn magazine, everything I did my first time in my life, I did spending the night with a friend. And I just decided, I just decided that that wasn't gonna happen to my kids. And so you want friends, fine, they have to come over here. We're not going over there. And, uh, and we have a world, it's called church, and they are certainly welcome here, but we're not, we're not going to that world. 
and, and that's the one that you show me your kids' friends, I'll show you your kids' future. That's a fact. Please listen to that. It's the best yeah. advice I can give you. Wow. What are a few books that have impacted you on your journey that you could recommend tonight to those that love to read and love to study books that would help them grow as leaders besides the Bible? So a little disclaimer, and that is I probably read three to one business and leadership books over Christian books. Um, so I just, because I love to learn in my leadership, so I think I benefit more actually from it. I love studying the Bible, um, I, and I spend hours every day in the God's Word, but not out of a discipline. I absolutely enjoy it. Prayer is a discipline, discipline for me. Reading the Bible and studying it is not. I could do it every day, all day. Um, so that's, that's a, I love, my, my, my study day is my favorite day every week. Uh, but I do, I do read a lot of business and leadership books, um, very close. I, I'm personally mentored by uh, Dr. John Maxwell, and I like all of his books. The one that influenced me the most, though, is written by basically the George Gallup of the Christian world, a guy named George Barna. And he wrote a book right when we were planning our church called, you ready for this? Evangelism That Works. <laughs> wow. And he, in it, he basically studied why the unchurched are. And come to find out, almost 80% of unchurched people aren't unchurched. They're de-churched. They used to go. And the reason why they're not going is they've been. <laughs> and so he talked about like the barriers that are keeping people from church. And we just decided that we would build a church around solving those barriers. That's awesome. And so that book shaped me in a gargantuan way. In fact, let me give you one, one fun statistic. And that is... And that is, if you visit a visitor at their home after they visit your church, they are three times more likely not to go to anyone's church after that. That's how much they hate it. And we had whole visitation programs. Like, we had, at Bethany, we called it the bread of life. Like, on Sunday afternoon, if you, if you visit our church Sunday morning, we came to your house with a loaf of bread, said, thank you for visiting. And I, and I never got a smile. I just got a, are you kidding me? You just woke me up from my nap. You know, like, they weren't happy. So, so from that one illustration, we, we, I, I started the church this way. I didn't know if it worked yet, but I said, hey, if you're a visitor here today, uh, we have a visitor card right there in your seat back. If you fill that out, we're going to give you what we call the hassle-free guarantee. And that means no one's going to call you. No one's going to come by your house. We promise. They filled them out by the droves. And everybody started inviting their friends. I thought, it's like genius. You know, who, who knew that I didn't have to deliver bread and I could have a bunch of visitors? Praise God, you know? So, so was, that one really impacted me a lot, actually. So that one and then Leadership Books by Maxwell impacted you. What about even just right now? Is there a book that you've read in the last year that, that yeah, you Yeah, the last enjoyed? great book that I read, the last two great books I've read is um, uh, Essentialism. Um, and, it's, and the subtitle is The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. And the thesis of the book is getting more done, doing, doing, actually being a whole lot less busy than you currently are. Great book. Uh, Greg McCowan, I think, is the author. Second book. Uh, Wait, is, let me pause on that. All right. You just said something that was really big. Getting more done, doing less. Activity. Activity. Because we think that activity means productivity. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. So you actually can get more done if you do it the right way and learn how to say no. There's a whole chapter on the art of saying no. So the key is focusing no, I'm on. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't resist. Sorry. Sorry. No. Um, the key would then just be focusing on. Yeah. The, the very few things. 
Yeah, the essentials, essentialism. And so, and then understanding, um, you know, like the sharpening of the saw principle. So you can take a dull ax, chop your little heart out, get nothing done, chop nothing, and instead sharpen it, take one whack and you cut it down. So it really wasn't how hard you worked, it was how sharp your saw was. It's good. So, so we would rather spend more time doing this when we need to seem to stop doing things and make sure our, our edge is still there. That's really good. Yeah. That's really good. What's been one of your favorite books in the Bible, out of all the books in the Bible that you gravitate towards, that you find just food for your soul personally as a pastor? Uh, talk a little bit about the book that you mentioned and why. Yeah, I just, I am a worshiper at heart. I, I, I actually was classically trained. So at 15 years old, I had 30 piano students. Um, so I could, I could play anything you could put in front of me at, at 13 years old. So I was, my dad, because my dad was this big musician. He has his degree in music. And so, um, so I've always loved music. So when I got in the church world, when I got saved, you know, I got saved back in the, in the 70s and 80s, and that's back when we had the horn sections, you know, and celebrate, Jesus, celebrate, and ba-da-da-ba-da-da-ba-ba, celebrate. You know, we had the horns going. It was, those were the glory days. Anyway, so, uh, but, but, so all that had to be orchestrated, and all those instruments are in different keys. So, like, saxes are in E-flat, trumpets are in B-flat, so... And that before computer programs, so I just notated all that stuff and orchestrated it. And so I love, I'm a true worshiper at heart. Um, and so I love the book of Psalms, man. I, you give me one book of the Bible, I just, I would just pour myself over, um, probably identify a lot with the life of, of King David. And, um, and it just, it, it does feed my soul. In fact, I've many, 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 many months, I've tried to read five Psalms a day, which is, there's 150 Psalms. So you can read through the whole book every month of your life. Most of them you can read real fast, except for one of them that's really, really long. But, you know, and, but I, just, I, lo- I just love the Psalms. So. Wow. And how, what's been a uh, theme scripture just for you in ministry, a scripture that you like to stand on, go back to? And- yeah, so I got, I got in ministry at 20, like I said, and, and Pastor Larry put me in this prominent role with this giant youth group. I mean, we had 1,000 kids at, back then. And, and, uh, and there were people who were actually in line to get it, and they gave it to me. And it was really, like I wasn't married yet, and it was really hard. And I was honestly, I'm, um, even though I'm pretty sharp kind of now, and, and I, I'm kind of sharp when it comes to music, I wasn't very good at school, actually. I, I was a C student on my good days. Come on, y'all. You know, where are my C people at? Where y'all at? Love you. And so, see, we can't stand them A people. They always messing up the curve and like, stay home and give a brother a break sometime. Anyway, but, but so anyway, I had my, my oldest son. My oldest son, Michael, is a genius. He made a 33 on his ACT. He went to University of Alabama on a full ride academic scholarship, did undergrad and grad in five years. He came home from his final report card in, in high school and said, look at there, dad. All A's again. He goes, I've never made a B in my entire life. So that ain't nothing. I've never made a B in my whole life either. So just us. I don't need to, I don't need to hear all that. <laughs> I didn't, get that out of my face. So anyway, what was I talking about? <laughs> so my favorite verse. I know, um, so I was very, I'm, I, um, honestly, this is going to freak, it's going to surprise you to this day when I'm walking up on a stage. I, have, I hear a voice that says, you're, not, you're that C student from Louisiana. I hear it every time. 
every time. I heard it today coming on this stage. And uh, look around these seats. You know, you're that C student from the 50th state in the union. That's who you are. Hear it every time. And so 2 Corinthians 3 says, I am competent as a minister of the new covenant, not because of the letter, not because of what I know, not because of my degrees, but because of the spirit of God that's in me. For the letter kills and the spirit gives life. That's my verse. So that's, that's my verse. So good. So good. You got to know why you're competent. It's not because of what you know. It's who you know. Amen, everybody? Amen. So, yeah. What's one characteristic you think every leader should possess? Um, I think I can't give you one. I have to give you two. Okay. So every leader, a, a Christian leader, every leader needs to possess this deep passion to serve and love God. Everything, ministry is the overflow of my love relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Ministry is not what I know. It's I'm in love with him and I'm honored to serve him. So I don't really even need an opinion. I don't, I don't even need a vision. What's yours? What's yours? I'm happy to do that. So I reach lost people because he cares about them, not necessarily because I do. So I'm in love with him. Speak for your servant hears. What do you want me to do, God? I belong, I'm a, I'm a slave by choice. So it takes a deep love and passion to serve your king. You're not, you're, you're not a, don't, don't be a lazy son or daughter. Get out there and mow the grass. If you're in a family, serve the family. That's, that's just what, you, I do it out of my devotion for God. But then you have to love people. You do have to care. I don't think you can do a camera or a, or a parking lot or a small group if you don't love people. And so it just requires the two things doesn't it sound like a familiar verse, everybody? What's the greatest commandment? Can't give you one, I can give you two, Jesus said. Yeah. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And the second is like the first, love people. Love your neighbors yourself. That's good. The whole Bible rests on these two commandments. That's good. Can I get a better amen, everybody? Amen. That's right. How do you, uh, what would you encourage people in developing their leadership skills, developing their uh, spiritual gifts. But 87% of the body of Christ doesn't know their charis, that know their spiritual gift. First Corinthians 12, you're a part of the body, right? We're the body of Christ. 87%, nine, almost nine out of 10 Christians don't know what body part they are. Can you imagine what your body would look like if 87% didn't know what it was? And we wonder why the church is ineffective they can't develop something, Pastor Paul, that they've never discovered. One of the best gifts the church gives people is not just, hey, go out there and, hey, we need some people to sign up to work in the nurse. No, don't do that. We, we, what we need to do is discover the uniqueness in this brother and then this sister and then this brother. And, this, and, and, and God, Jesus is head of the church. That's where the brains are. And he makes sure that everything you need is already in this congregation. So he makes sure there's just a bunch of people. There's a certain number in this church that just love being with kids. The rest of us, like I'd be terrible in a nursery. I would need duct tape and then I'd be arrested. Come on somebody, right? I, I can't do it. I can't, I just like sit down. You know, I'd have no patience. Tammy could sit back there in the nursery all day long. She loves kids. She could just do, but if I asked her to come up here right now and greet you, she would, she would fuss at me after this is over. She has no charis 
to be on a stage in, a bunch of in front of a bunch of people. Every one of you need to discover the unique charis. The thing that you do, when you do it, it's not even hard for you. This is not hard for me. You gotta find something that's not hard for you and that when you do it, it's making an eternal difference. And then, you ready for this? Don't work on your weaknesses. Just work on your strengths. We spend too much time trying to be good at something we're never good at. That's probably part of that essentialism idea. Uh, doing, accomplishing more by doing less because you focus. focus on your strengths. Paul said this, one thing I do, I'm just gonna focus my life on this, you know? I've gotta reach my, my prize, so this one thing I do, I'm gonna just get focused with my life. And so we tell people, if you, if you don't have a, Karis, to, to be around kids, we don't want you in our nursery. Please don't sign up. But there are people who, they just see, they see here, here, here's how it is. Everybody in this room would, would, sees this room differently. If you have an administrative gift, you're thinking, I don't think that table is really centered right and, and somebody needs to get more envelopes because that's your gift. That you, that's what you see when you walked in the room. Some of you have a mercy gift and you saw the person sitting by themselves and you went, oh, don't they have a friend? Well, I'd love to sit with like, because that's your, uh, others have a leadership gift. You thought, man, I could do this so much better than Pastor Paul and Chris, right? I'm just telling you, I could. We all see it differently. Man, you need to find out your, your eyes, like, and do your thing, man. Do your, serve God with that gift. And then you just grow and we develop people in their gift. So so we don't even start the discipleship process until we discover the gift. So one of the ways to find their gift, there's obviously, there's, there's tests online that, can, yeah. that we can take to discover our gifts. Um, what's another way that people can start to find their gift, what they're gifted to do, what they're called to do? Well, you can do a bit of, a, of, of an exploration. So like we give people permission in our church to try serving in areas and then if you hate it, please change. Yeah. But try. Because you may think, oh my goodness, I found my thing. And then others think, I can't stand this. I thought, I thought it'd be fun, but this is horrible. Yeah. So like, so, and then you want to just put people with certain gifts at certain places. Like you it's want good. the sanguines, the nice people, the happy people, the high five people. Those are your greeters. Just don't put a guy who likes straightening chairs as a greeter. He'll like, ah, one bulletin, one. <laughs> Gave you a pen last week. Where's that pen? Like, you don't want that person. It's just, now that dude has value, just not at that spot, you know, so. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Um, what do you look for when you're getting ready to promote someone and you say that, let's say they've been serving and there's 10 people all serving in the same area and you can only promote one. What rises up in your mind that goes, that's, that's someone who's excelling in, in this leadership capacity? Well, again, I probably can't give you one. There are, se there are several things that I look at. I need people, though, I need people devoted to, the, to me and the vision of the church. So uh, honestly, I think God puts people in families. So when you find a family, just commit to it. And then don't dare mess with my family. Now I'm a defender of the family. Like, you don't mess with my kids and you don't mess with my wife. If my wife is wrong, and you, and you say something to her, like, back up. And then I'll bring her off the side. Did you do that? You know, like, because I'm defending, like, we, we, so I need people who just yeah. are faithful to, we're going to protect the family. Like, we're going to protect the family. And then, 
that all of us, if we're gonna grow, and, and what I look for is just that we're pliable, we're, we're flexible, we are, because we all need to grow and change and we all can get better. Can I get a good amen, everybody? Yeah. Like, so don't be rigid. I just don't need rigid people. Well, no, this is the way we, we used to do it and this way we're always going to do it. No, things change, let's change. Let's just, let's measure everything with is it's working or not. Mm. Not that whether we like it or not, is it working or Flexible not? Flexible to change, to improve, yeah, to Yeah, until evaluate. it works. Yeah. So, because we're not going to let our opinion be, let's let, <laughs> let's keep, let's, so I'm an incessant tinkerer. I like to mess with stuff. I want to keep tweaking the engine to get as much horsepower out of it as we can because I've been given a commission by my God to get a bunch of lost people saved and pastor those people and train those people and get them doing something that makes a difference. So if it's not working, we're going, we're going to change it. We're going to fix it. We're going to, we're going to mess with it. So I need people to be able to change with me until it's working. Don't be rigid. Be flexible. Let's make it work. Let's don't, let's don't. <laughs> you follow what I'm saying? It's very important because if you don't, you'll start defending something that doesn't work and you'll become, you'll, it'll, 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 it's, it's a bad day. Share some encouraging words as we're closing out here just for each person here that's desiring to keep growing as a leader. Just some of your last thoughts for them today to keep moving forward in what they're called to do. So let me give you three words, three things you can do. First of all, always clarify what God has called you to do. Like you need to get some clarity in your life with what you're called to do, what you're good at, what God's gifted you to do. So the first step of it is a clarification. One of the best gifts I give our church is, is a clear vision. This is what we do. This is where we're going. This is our my role, clarity. Second thing that we do to... to, to and develop ourselves, encourage you is, ask this question all the time, how are you doing? Like the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, know well the condition of your flocks. Like, so how are you doing? So Tammy and I have a date night every week. So the clarity is we want a great marriage, that's the clarity part. But the question is, is, is that working? Well, I don't know, I think it is. But she may not think it is. So we have a date. We have a date lunch or date night every week, but about once every month or two, we'll have a how am I doing talk. Yeah. At first, Tammy didn't want to honest, answer honestly. Oh, you're great. I love you. I wasn't. And now she's a place to go, well, well, babe, actually, I think we could work on this. In fact, I got this advice from one of the oldest couples at Bethany. It's a true story. True story. I'm the youth pastor. I'm out by the youth building and there's a car back there in the back and they're parking. I can see, I can see people in the car and the, the windows are fogged up. I'm living. I'm thinking, what teenager is over the, like I'm ready to, and I, I knock on that, roll down this window. It is one of the oldest couples in our church. <laughs> and I said, uh, Brother AJ, his name was AJ Parker. I said, Brother AJ, I'm so sorry. I said, um, I was embarrassed. I like, I said, what are you doing? He goes, keeping the marriage strong. He rolled it back up. Like, <laughs> say, more power to you, my brother. I like, praise God, I got a revelation on that one. But awesome. I caught him afterwards and I say, I say, I want to learn from you, my man. I want to learn from you. And he, I said, what's the secret? He goes, I ask my wife regularly, how am I doing? Mm. 
How am I doing? How am I doing? How are we doing? How's this church doing? Are lost people getting saved? Is that enough? If it's not, let's change some things. Are we pastoring people well? If it's not, let's change some things. Are people discovering their, their purpose? If not, let's, let's fix this. Let's, let's do something. Yeah. Are, are, are people getting deployed into an area where they can serve and make a difference? See, see we're just, we're, and I'm constantly, Paul, I'm constantly looking at how's it going? How's it going? How's it going? Yeah. Okay, so you clarify. Everybody say clarify. Clarify. Everybody say measure. Measure. And when you measure something, there's always going to be something not like it should be. So don't let that discourage you. Here's the last one, two words. Get better. Just get better. Can you get better? Yes. That was a weak answer. I'm going to give you one more chance. Let me, let me go ahead and let, I'll cheat. Well, I'll, I'll help you cheat on the test. The answer is yes, okay? Can you get better? Yes. Can this church get better? Yes. Can Church of the Highlands get better? Yes. Sure we can. So let's do it. It's good. Just, just get better. And so I'll leave you with this one thought. And the way we do that is don't try to fix a lot of things. We ask this question in our marriage. We ask this question with our kids. We ask this question as I lead the church. I want to ask it of you. I want you to answer it for your personal life. I want you to answer it for this church. What one thing, if it got better, would make the biggest difference? Isn't that the best question ever? What one thing in your marriage, if it got better, would make the biggest difference in your marriage? What one thing in your Christian life, if it got better, would make the biggest difference in your Christian life? What one thing in this church, if it changed, just got better, would make the biggest difference at victory? Work on that thing. Work on that thing. One at a time. One at a time. Amen? Wow, what an incredible interview. Man, so much great stuff to learn from Pastor Chris. I want to say thank you to everyone who listened today. And thank you for subscribing to this channel. Thank you for sharing this with friends. And I want to challenge you. Would you share this on social media? If you listen today all the way to the end, would you talk about this with some other people and maybe even share this podcast with friends? Tell them about it. Let's get the word out about Learning to Lead podcast. Let's help grow more leaders. Let's help grow uh, the people that God's called us to develop as leaders in our lives. So thank you so much. We love you guys. I'd love to hear from you. Send me a message on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Paul Doherty, and uh, let's stay in touch. God bless you. Bye.